Hi, Coffee and Combo listeners. Welcome to the bonus episode. To participate live in a taping of the bonus episodes, follow Coffee Combos Liz on Instagram and or Facebook so you can get all the notifications of when I go live and participate in the comments. Again, go to Coffee Combos Liz on Instagram or Facebook to participate in the live discussions. Bye. excited today I get to talk about uh, my friend's book Awakening her name is Ingozai Robinson I'm very excited um, let me see if I can find her here she is hey, Reem how are you I am very excited excited hi hello here <laughs> I am <laughs> Yay! I scared Preston. He like got up. He was like, "What is she?" <laughs> oh my god! How gosh. are you? I'm good. I'm good. This is my Very... first joint live IG, so I feel like I'm I'm graduating in the world. Oh yeah! Because listen, you've been a pro out there with your sermons, and and people have definitely been following you on Instagram and and watching. So that's exciting. Oh, thank you. I just started doing reels this week. Woo, scary world. But I'm trying listen. to reach the people. So, you know. Listen, the people want to hear. So that's always amazing. <laughs> so, uh, so we are here today to discuss Ngozi Robinson's first edition of her three-part series and her very first book that you have published, correct? Yes, ma'am very first book and it is Awakening and it is a very interesting novel that draws you in the characters are so intriguing and so before we get into that uh how are you feeling being you know it's what a month anniversary mm, yes yes I, I I'm feeling pretty good I cannot complain it's been an up and down of getting, when I was getting ready to publish it, of, oh, this doesn't even deserve to breathe air or take up space in the world. To, I want to get it out there. I want to manifest this thing that's just been bubbling up in me. And now it's out there. And people who, um, you know, don't owe me anything actually like it. So I'm mm. so happy. That is, that is, that is so amazing, right? Like, I think with anything, right, you put it out there, you hope people like it. And it's such an interesting experience when people do like it and they're like, I want more. And so like, I'm so happy for you that like you're experiencing that and, you know, kind of jumping into it, you know, how, what has been, you know, you have like in your mind, like, okay, this is what an author looks like, feels like. How does it feel to just like see yourself in that same space? Uh, it's, I, I mean, I think I'm technically an author, but I don't feel like one. It's like on your birthday. You don't really <laughs> feel a year older, but you're still super excited to have a birthday. So, and I went, I always say writers write, authors publish. So yeah. when I actually published this thing, I went from writer to author, and that was pretty, it's like, wow, I'm out there in the world. My name is sitting on something. I can't take it back. So it does, it does feel a little different. I feel more exposed, and um, I just love being able to hear what people think about um, the book and, and their thoughts on it and if they liked it or not. And uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful feeling. It's, it's more Absolutely. low key for me because I'm slowly rolling it out. It's not like I had a, 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 a main street parade about it, but I, <laughs> I'm loving it nonetheless. And, and I like how you talked about like you're out there, right? Because there is a vulnerability in writing and your characters have some very vulnerable moments. And before we kind of get into some character stuff, because I have questions. I have questions about characters. Oh, um, great, I fell in great. love with them. Um, but please share with the, the watchers and listeners, what is Awakening about? What is this story? 
um, Awakening is the, the science, the fantasy book that I always wanted to read that had faith at its center. Um, mm. I love the world of magic and witches and warlocks and, you know, uh, but I never saw God in them. I saw God's small g, but never, you know, a person whose faith was in the God of heaven and earth. And, and there was always this idea of good and evil. And I was like, it's right there, people. Why don't you just put it in there? And so I wrote the book that I wanted to read. It's a story of um, uh, a, a young woman uh, who is married and has a wonderful spiritual life with her mother, but then her mother suddenly dies and she's left in the middle of her grief to discover something really unexpected about her mom that makes her make a choice about what she's going to do with her life. And she just feels too broken and too, and too incomplete, which I think is kind of a universal feeling when all of us are called to greatness. Oh, no, I can't do it. It's not within me. And she has to wrestle with whether she's going to live up to her calling or not. But all throughout that, she's talking to God or she's not talking to God, but God is this major sort of invisible but ever-present character in the book itself. And so I, I love that about it. And I mean, maybe that is a big part of, of a reflection of me, even though mm -hmm. obviously the book is fiction, it is paranormal and uh, it is fantasy, but it has um, a basis in the reality that I inhabit. Mm. And and I love how you talked about how she goes through this journey where she doesn't want to talk to God, but then she's still doing that, you know, because it had been such a, a part of her life and she had been so hurt. Well, no, I don't want to, I don't know. No, I don't want to jump into that yet. I don't want to jump into Sheila yet uh, because I have thoughts on Sheila. But, but, I, but I it's love... interesting what you said, mm -hmm. because even when you're not talking to God, God's still the object of it because you're not talking to God. God, I hope you're noticing that I'm not talking to you over here. So Right. <laughs> and, and, and she has these moments where she's like, I'm not talking to you, but I'm talking to you. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. For those of you who are just coming in, we are talking with the author and goes I Robinson and her book Awakening. And we're talking about how it is a paranormal, supernatural book, but it has these religious elements. And what was interesting is, you know, it wasn't, God is the main God, but there were some other elements of religion and religious practices woven in. And kind of what was your thought process behind having all these different um, religious elements? So it is a God-centered spiritual reality that the book is centered in, it's not explicitly Christian. And uh, some of the reasons for that are that I grew up in that kind of environment. So I'm very comfortable with it. And I think if you're going to the paranormal, um, making it spiritual but not Christian allowed me to not answer a bunch of questions right. about conflicts of interest. So I could just tell the story and have God in it, but I didn't have to have, you know, <laughs> Mrs. Banks from Sunday school going, you know, you're going straight to hell for that. Or this is <laughs> not of God. And I, you know, those are all um, great opinions, but I didn't want them to get in the way of the story I was telling. And um, I just felt that it matched the paranormal a little more to go sort of in the metaphysical new age direction, but with God still as the center, which is very much the, the center of my Christian faith, which is that God is everywhere. And, you know, God's what you need God to be at the time. So uh, to me, there's not a conflict. Um, and I think that it's just refreshing to see God anywhere in um, what I think of as a mainstream novel about, about the paranormal and about uh, just fiction and the hero's journey in general. But like, it made sense 
right from the time at the funeral in the beginning where we talk about Sheila's mother and, and having all these different religious figures, whether it's the priest or, you know, all these different um, elements, like you drew us into this world and it made sense, right? Like you got it. Like there's sometimes where you're reading a story and they try and do this out of the box paranormal thing and it, it just doesn't make sense. But you did it in a way that, you know, the reader believes it. Like we're like, okay, this is the world. This makes sense. And like you get it. Right. And I think that I wanted to make the whole thing, uh, you're stepping into a different world wherever you are. So mm -hmm. by having it pull in um, elements from a lot of different faiths, wherever you locate yourself, you have to stretch a little bit. You have to come outside of yourself so that you, you sort of suspend your, your disbelief a little bit because you're walking into it. Whether if you think... Whereas if you think you were coming in from a specific context, then I have to battle against your mm -hmm. presuppositions. But if I pull you out of that from the beginning, you're just like, okay, I'm in a different world. Let me learn what the rules are. Leaves right. you a little more open to experience uh, the the world of the of the characters. Absolutely, and and you really do that from the beginning, and and I love how with these characters and with these scenes you can see elements of your life like you normalize these characters and like from the the funeral or the the like the repast and the characters like the aunts and the way they talk their mannerisms you're just like yep i've been at a funeral where you know you have this person or you can think of someone where they've had this conflict with their sisters where one is always running their mouth and you can't get a word in and these characters have such a personality about themselves. Um, who are your favorite characters and what was character development? Like, how was it designing these people? I mean, listen, I didn't design anything about these people. They <laughs> came in and kicked open the door and demanded to be heard and would rewrite themselves at the drop of a hat. And I'd be like, no, I had you in this box. I had plans for you. And they just said, well, you're going to have to remake your plans because this is who I am. So uh, it was very much me channeling these characters and them having their way with me and me having, me having to just manage what they were coming out with as opposed to, oh, I have this carefully developed character sheet and I introduced them all at the right time and they did exactly what I expected them to do. For example, um, one of the main character Reigns, I wanted to write him as a bad guy. And he kept that saying, no, 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 I'm gonna have, I'm not gonna be written the way you want me to write. And so I just threw up my hands in the end and, and let them do what they were gonna do. Let me tell you, the struggle between Reigns and Sheila. So for those who have not yet got your copy of Awakening, please go and grab your, co your copy right there. Um, and ooh, before, I don't want to forget, um, there's an interesting story about the cover of it and the cover design. Um, so, well, before I get into Reigns and Sheila, because I have like a whole rant about that, please share about the cover and the cover art um, for the novel. Uh, oh, just the, the, let me see if I can get this in 30 seconds. I wrote a book about a young woman whose mother had suddenly died while I was a young woman and my mom was still alive, but later my mother suddenly died. So it's kind of like through the book, I'm doing this pre-grieving that I didn't even know I was gonna do. Much later in life, I found a new mom. I call her mom 2.0. And then later in our lives together, she became a painter and she did the artwork for the cover of the book. And I love it because it's different. Um, it's still engaging, but it's different from your typical fantasy cover, which is sort of uh, very refined. This is a little bit more abstract, a little more mm -hmm. brutal with the colors. And I think it really goes along well with uh, the story. So it's, it's um, <clears throat> kind of about recovery and it's sweet. And so from beginning to end, it is a family affair. It really, and it's interesting because from the cover art, you're like, I'm not going to let you put me in a box. I'm going to do the cover art and the story the way I want the story to be. And that really is throughout it. And it really 
kind of picks on Sheila, the main character, and how she kind of does things the way that she wants to do them. You know, she has a way in which, you know, she has a strongness to her, but she's soft, she's vulnerable, yet she's kind of bossy, especially where it comes with her husband, Reigns. And, you know, she is her own person, which, again, you have done throughout the structure of the story as well as the cover art. So I love it. Thank you. Thank you. So on to my rant. So here's my rant. Okay. So bring it on. <laughs> so we have Reigns, who was supposed to be a bad guy, but you can't help but love him. There are so many moments where you are rooting for him in this story. And then you have Sheila, who is the main character, She's lost her mother, and yet you're sometimes like, I don't care. Like, you need to be nice to Reigns. And she is awful to him sometimes in her grieving. She does acknowledge it. She does acknowledge it, so I'll give that to her. But my favorite scene is um, she's, like, bossing him around, and he, like, draws her this bubble bath, carries her to the bubble bath, has like the candles and like just lets her sleep. Like he treats her like a queen. And you really see this throughout the story of even when he is angry and hurt by her, um, he just has this this softness to him, even though the physical of him that you describe him is very like hard and masculine. Yeah, he. you know, I just get so mad when people love him so much because... <laughs> They haven't been a party to all the fights that he and Sheila have had that didn't make it in the book. And I'm share like, some, oh, please drop some. Oh, you you think he's so nice, but <laughs> and I'm just all I gotta say is you wait till book two. You know Ooh. this man is gonna break your heart, and I just and I, but but he is very nice, and and part of it is, do you really know you meet Sheila? at her worst she's going through yes. her rock bottom and um i don't know part of it may be maybe you think she's a little bit redeemable because she's surrounded by these really great characters and yeah. why would they be around someone who's so horrible so i hope that the care uh, the reader will stick with her uh as it goes along and begin to see um the the wonderful parts of herself and as i wrote it actually i had to go back because there's always a question of how much of the backstory do you involve in the book but i put some scenes in there to soften her up a little bit so you can be like okay she's just not a mean person she's going through something right now so so hopefully i balance that out a little bit but he does sort of steal the show a little bit and i'm still mad at that because he's supposed to be in the background but uh yeah he's he's a he's a sweetie and a cutie and a hottie so I, what you gonna do that's how it <laughs> turned out but like it, it it's really interesting sorry that's preston i'll move him eventually but he, someone came to drop off something. So he is trying to steal the show, much like Reigns. But um, it, it's really interesting. And I love that you just allowed your characters to be authentically who they were. Like, you didn't shy away from who they were. Like, you didn't run from the story. And you see this especially in the beginning where you let us stay with Sheila's grief. Like, you're not just there one or two chapters. Like, you really let us stay with her process and you really let us stay with the grief like you didn't run from it and i feel like sometimes mm -hmm. some stories do that like when it is a hard emotion or a hard scene they run from it but you're like no that like you're going to go through this journey with this character and you really allowed that to breathe i mean how was that for you like just writing that um especially pre uh your own grief yeah, there were just some scenes where I'd be writing them and tears would just be coming down my eyes because I was feeling what Sheila felt, that that lostness, that the world doesn't make sense anymore, but how can it possibly be going on? Because everything has just been crushed for me. And um, I think it, it really relates to something she says in the book uh, at one point when she said, you know, we put her in the ground and everybody acts like life is just supposed to go on. How is that a possibility? And mm -hmm. I think we treat folks like that in real life. We're all sweetness and love and support 
up until the funeral. And then as soon as that repass, it's like, okay, time to move on. And the, the person in grief is left there like, wait, what happened? And you left me with all the dishes at the repass. So right. <laughs> what's going on? So yeah, it was, it was a, uh, it was difficult to do, but that, um, is as much of what the book is about as anything. You watching a young woman uh, who society says should be able to get past this, right. not get past it. Oh, I, I love that. Because on paper, right, Sheila has a support system. She has a husband, a good job. She should be able to bounce back, right? Like, I love how you said, you know, by society standards, she should be able to but she really struggled with it. And, and I love that because I don't often think we talk about the softness and vulnerability, especially with, you know, um, black women, minority women. We talk about like, you have to carry everything. And you really allow Sheila to be like, I can't carry everything. And this is what happens when you can't. And I love how she went through this journey of having this vulnerability and really needing to rely on her support network. I mean, life is what happens when we're broken. <laughs> mm. um, the moments when we've got it together are very far uh, few. Uh, and so we have to deal with, okay, the, her, her marital relationship is based on what she's like when she's horrible to him. And, you know, there's going to be a, a flipping of that later. And, it's just, it's, it's, it's not about seeing people at their best. It's about seeing people at their realist. And, mm. and so I, I try to show that to the reader. But honestly, I feel like this is a story that came through me. It was going to come out of somebody and it just picked me. And I don't know if <laughs> I'm, I'm blessed and, and a little cursed <laughs> to have been obedient to that and let it flow out of me. But I, I almost feel like I'm not responsible for it in a way. I'm just the instrument uh, through which it got out. Mm, I, I love that. And, and I love how earlier how you talked about, like, you wanted to write the story that you've always wanted to read, right? And it wasn't out there. So you said, like, I'm going to, to do this. I want to read a story like this, so I'm going to write it. And, and you really see those qualities. Um, within the characters, especially strong women. They're like, I want to do this. I need to do this. So I'm going to do that. And it, it really is an amazing journey. And even as thinking about, again about your journey as an author and how that is to kind of go through this process, um, how do you want the reader to feel by the end of this, right? Like, I see things in it of strength and vulnerability and support, but what themes do you want the reader to kind of leave at feeling at the end? I want the reader to feel hope and to feel like there's a reason to go on and uh, that God will equip them for whatever God's called them to do. But to be realistic that it's gonna be a bumpy ride and so hopefully they get that out of it. What did you, I've, 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 now I get to grill, you know. One Absolutely. Of my what did you walk away from it? You know, you, you turn the last page, you close the book and you're like, oh, how did you feel? Oh my gosh. So from the beginning, when she's going through this grief, right? Like I'm getting teary eyed because I think about when my father passed, right? So like, I'm like invested and I'm going through this, um, this journey as well of like, oh my God, yeah, it is like that. And like, you have these family members, but it's sweet enough that you remember those sweet times as well. And then you get invested in these characters and you're just like, that happened and this happened. And, you know, and you see her strength and you want to be strong like Sheila and then we see her vulnerableness at the end when I'm not going to say what crucial things happens, but there's what happens at the end, that end scene, and she's struggling and, you know, she goes through this moment of vulnerability of like, do I want to just get rid of everything? And I think that that's such a real moment. And I left at the end feeling, honestly, like you said, this hope of, 
life is a journey. Life is, is it's up and down journey and it is this process. And you have moments where you're just like, well, God, I don't want to talk to you today. And like you end up talking to him and it left me thinking about um, just religion and faith and how we think of Christianity, again, as a straight line, how once you decide to follow Jesus, mm -hmm. you've followed him. But there is this push and pull um, and through it all, you're still getting to your journey, even when you're feeling like, I don't want my journey. I'm not equipped for this. Um, so I just really loved the authenticity of everything. And I love the complexity of how it makes you reflect on your own journeys. And so I was just enthralled, obviously. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad. It, it really... Um... I feel this way. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm an ordained minister uh, and, and a, and a, and a Bible-believing Baptist, uh, although I didn't necessarily grow up that way. I grew up with a lot of influences coming in and, and made what I think of as, as a really uh, Holy Spirit-led, informed decision. Uh, so, but, but I have that background. <laughs> oh, my cat says a brief hello. Um, and so... It, I feel so, so, sort of a similar way when I write sermons to preach. I feel like God is talking to me and is telling me something. And it's always kind of a surprise when I deliver the sermon and other people go, amen, you were talking to me. And I was like, really? I thought this was really indulgent, you know, because it felt like God's given a message to me. But it's, it's so it's so awesome to hear that it really, it was not only enjoyed by others, but it, it touched them. So, so yay. Yay. And also like, as you talk about that and like your sermons and, and again, when you talk about faith-based things, I think people think, you know, like, oh, so you knew every step how this was going to play out. I mean, was that like, like that? Like, did you know every way this was going to come out or were there times it was just like, I don't know what's happening next. Oh, I had a sense of where I wanted the whole of this story, sort of all three parts of it, as I imagined it, to go. And then um, characters would hijack it. And they would say, they would say, no, this is going to happen. And whether you wanted it to or not. And so, so I didn't, I didn't know uh, the journey. I knew the beginning and the end, just like my relationship with God. I know that <laughs> it, I know that uh, in the in the end there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, and we'll have these these new and incorruptible bodies. <laughs> Who knows? You know how we get from point A to to point Z. So it's it's going to be an adventure. That's all you can really promise in your relationship <laughs> with God. Anyway, it's going to be absolutely. A absolutely and what you think is going to happen doesn't there's gaps and there there's it, it is absolutely absolutely and and kind of i usually start off coffee and combos by saying you know are you a coffee or tea person but i wanted to ask so take some characters and so like reigns if you had to describe him like a coffee or a tea like what would he be if you had to describe him to someone Oh, he's a high octane coffee all the time. He's just on all the time. And then he's not. It's so annoying. You know, you can't have somebody that high energy all the time. Yet there he is just just on. <laughs> I hey, think of what him about as the real sort of artist uh, as as I characterize it in my mind of being a painter, just wanting to be super inspired and with the, the, the fire burning in the pit of his stomach all the time. So up at all hours, crazy, you know, being, being an artist. I love it. And what, okay, what about Sheila? Sheila, coffee, tea, what's her perfect Sheila drink? Is, Sheila is an oolong, lap song, she, you know, type of tea drinker. She needs that caffeine, but she's more contemplative and more sort of uses the tea to fuel her power. But, but she, she starts her mornings more quietly. Rains jumps out of bed. You know, she slowly crawls and starts her day sort of quietly. Rains makes noise and, you know, oh, leaves the cabinet doors open. Absolutely. Oh, oh, we lost you. Hold up. I'm here. There we go. You're back. Okay. What about Corinne? 
Oh, my goodness. Um, the most expensive, most artisanal cappuccinos and espressos you can imagine. Going, 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 just in charge. And don't you think for a moment that she's not in charge. But she is the biggest go-getter of them all. And um, in many ways, um, Sheila's sisters, Jasmine and Corinne, are her heroes. There's the there there are parts of the her that she wishes she could be, and um, mm. and in many ways Sheila is my hero. She's the me that I want to be. But it's it's kind of an uh, instructional tale that wherever you are, you don't think you're enough. You're always looking at somebody else like, why couldn't I be like her? Why couldn't right. I be like her? Right. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Um, could you read a little something from your book? Okay. Um, tell me, uh, give me a hint what you'd like to hear and that'll sort of inform you what I might read on. Oh my gosh. Um, oh my goodness. I'm on the spot. I love, oh my goodness. Uh, well, I, I know I've talked about Reigns a lot and I'm hashtag team Reigns. So you can either pick anything that has like Reigns and Sheila, or I love the dynamic between the sisters. Like the sisters have some really great moments. So I'm mm -hmm. up for anything that has some great moments between the sisters or, uh, well, like also like Reigns and Sheila. So I know we've talked a lot about this being a faith-based uh, novel, but they have some intimate no moments uh, throughout this this novel Oh, as yeah, well. let me tell that was so hard for me to write because, uh, you know, I'm a woman. I've read some Nora Roberts. I, I like <laughs> a little steamy romance beach reading. But when it came time to write it, I was just like, oh, this is so hard. How specific I do I get? And, you know, and then my mom, my new mom was like, you, oh, you, you got into it too much. You don't have to say it. You just have to have them putting on their clothes later and people will assume. And I was, <laughs> It's like, no, they won't. You're a prude. So it helped <laughs> having someone who was more of a prude than I <laughs> giving me their feedback. But but yeah, there's they're married, they're having some sex. Um and and uh it, it happens. This is the, the marriage bed is undefiled. Come at me. So you know. And clearly they do not mind at all. And like they have it is again, um so authentic. So authentic. Like and you don't shy away even from the uncomfortable things. So let me read this before I start blushing too much. But I'm going to read a little section about Reigns and, and his development of faith, which is something that uh, transpires in the course of the book. <clears throat> Reigns was in a bad mood. He hated sleeping alone. A married man shouldn't have to, he mulled. He thought about how much he had missed Sheila last night, even though now more than ever he saw how little he understood her world. Now that she was acting stranger and more fragile, he loved her more. He felt she needed him, really for the first time. He didn't want to fail her. He walked into the adjoining bathroom and looked at himself in the mirror. He didn't look like a cursed man, but as soon as she had said it last night, he knew it was true. For the first time, he had no control over what would happen next in his life. He felt Sheila needed him, and more than ever, he depended on her. How could either of them succeed? Walking to the guest bedroom, he heard Sheila showering in the hall. He grabbed his Bible and sat down on the carpeted floor next to the bathroom door. He was reading Exodus. He had discovered for the first time that the Bible could be something, was something more than his parents' salvation. It could be his. And it was a pretty exciting story. He had always admired Sheila's passionate synthesis of so many different faiths, but he knew that could never be him. He needed to stick with one thing, and hope it could make him a man who could really stand next to her and all she did. Besides, his parents would never allow it. He was reading God's instructions to Moses on how to build a special tabernacle where he could commune with God. It was full of jewels, the finest weavings and overlays. Reigns' mind ignited at the visual picture. He read more deeply, trying to commit the descriptions to memory. In the back of his mind, in the midst of all his artist's musing, he was aware of a deep truth. If he had been cursed with a hateful seed, meditating on God could help. Tearing off a piece of paper from his notebook, 
he scribbled a note and left it on the floor in front of the bathroom door. He flew downstairs, pulled out a blank canvas and started sketching. Sheila emerged wrapped in towels from the bathroom and bent down to pick up a piece of paper she had trampled. Painting God's Tabernacle, it read. She folded the note and went to call her sisters. So just, a little, just a little hint there. Just a little, little hint. But he, he goes through, they all go through this character development, even within the first novel. And it leaves you wanting to know how do they develop into the second. Because you also give us a little hint at what the emerging problem is and you kind of see where it's going and so you're really like okay like you're you're ready to follow along and so share with us a little bit if you can have you been begun writing the second novel i mean how has that been um promoting your first while working on your second if you're doing that you know it it was such a struggle to figure out um where was a reasonable place to end the first book? Because it is a continuing story. I had a challenge with, well, did I give them enough? Are they going to feel like I baited, you know, baited and switched on them? Uh, but in the end, I really felt like it needed to end where it ended. And so yeah. I went with my impulse rather than like maybe what a story architecture structure book might tell me it might end. But I have uh, written about uh, maybe a fifth or a quarter of the way into, yeah, I would say a quarter of the way uh, done with the, with the second book and um, raring to get back to it, but just not at that. I'm, I'm working on another project that we might talk about briefly in the, in the meantime, but, but it, I'm aware that it goes on and I'm already thinking about, because I know where... I was, I'm already thinking about sort of plot issues in the second book and they're rolling around in the back of my head because it's it's kind of time to get to get back to that. Uh, and I want to I want to be able to be faithful to that story and carry along the people who have invested in the first book into the second book. But but um, writing a book and marketing a book are very are two very different things you you write a book alone in your room and then you <laughs> go out and you get some beta readers and you get mad at every critique they give you and then you respond to it and you basically rewrite the book and then you send it out to your content editor and you get mad at every single thing that they say that's wrong with the book and then you calm down and you rewrite the book again and then you put it out there and then all of a sudden you have to go from these real this really solitary work to hey hi world here's the book you know get your copy today and figure out what your social media approach is going to be and call on your friends or people who haven't heard you in a while hey remember me you've got this great platform you want to talk about my book and how are you by the way you know so it's um and you can figure out which platforms to advertise on and i do have a small publishing company i am publications and i've published several books um from other writers but they've mainly been um nonfiction, instructional text uh industry industry work so it's it's a different uh, it's a different tune that I'm having to learn how to play and to dance to for for a fictional novel. Uh, and and I'm, uh, despite being a minister and a preacher, I'm an introvert. So this is just uh, taking up a, a lot of a lot of energy and and bringing me in a good way into a, a whole nother world. So happy to do it, but it's I very. I love it. And I love how you're building all these skills. And listeners, if you have questions, please drop them in the comments for our author and Gozai Robinson. She is the author of Awakening, the book one of three. And um, I'm like so happy and, and proud of this journey. Um, and I'm glad you also talked about what it looks like in action to write because i think we think like okay just put the words publish it but like no like you have to you put it out there you get some feedback you send it to this person you get some feedback and it, it really is a journey before it gets to the actual readers um but and yet it's scary case, nonetheless mm -hmm. in my case this book has basically it was in its second rewrite for 
15 years. Wow. Just traveling with me as a file from computer to computer over that time. And always in the back of my mind, I got to do something with this. I got to do something with this. I think there's something there that, you know, because you ask yourself, should I just be happy and pleased with myself that I wrote something from beginning to end? Or do I want right. to take it farther? And I wanted to take it farther. And, uh, but it just, so I think the biggest deal for me was getting the confidence and getting mm. up the, like the psychic energy to have a position on it and say, I'm mm -hmm. going to do this. And at the beginning of this year, I finally, you know, said, it's really, really, really time. And I pulled that trigger. And so I'm saying, I'm burning the bridges. I'm going forward with this. There's no retreat. And out it came. What made you say this year is the year? Like, what, what was your motivator? Uh, because I love writing and I wanted my life to match my passions. Mm. And so if I'm not putting it out there, what am I doing? I know mm. that I've wanted to publish it for a while various things have gotten in the way. But now I decided that I didn't want any other things to get in the way. I wanted to live a life that looked like I am committed to my ministry. Well, there's three things I love. God, technology, and writing. And so uh, I wanted my life to give evidence of the things that I loved. And so birthing this as an actual publication was evidence for me that I wanted my life to show. And I finally felt well enough. You know, I, I uh, uh, manage major clinical depression and it had its way with me for the last couple of years uh, because my medication stopped working and I was in hell. And so I, I just crawled out of that and finally was seeing the light again and feeling well managed and mm. I said, you know, I'm going to spend time um, manifesting one of my dreams. It's already sitting there. Let me see if I can take it to the finish line. And I did. God gave me the strength. So I'm happy. I, I love that. And, and my takeaway is going to be, you know, I, I wanted my life to match my passions. And like, I think about, you know, what would life look like if I let my life and my passions be in alignment? I mean, I think that's so powerful, so powerful, because I think that we often walk in, in not in alignment and, and we struggle, right? Like our body's like, I want to do this, right? Like that book never left you. It never, it was stayed in the back mm -hmm. of your mind. Like, this mm -hmm. is what I want to do. And I could just imagine how you feel just accomplishing that and doing that. So let me tell you, <clears throat> right now, as of today, like a half an hour before we sat down to talk, I finished the 300 and writing the 365, 65th prayer of a 365 day prayer journal. That's going to be the next thing I produce. Hopefully that'll be out by the end of next month. And I am so excited about it. That is the, the writer in me meeting the minister in me. And so that's what I've really been giving my attention to. And so sort of after I birth that project, then I'm going to jump right into book two. And we'll see where we find um, all of our favorite characters from, from Awakening and Anointed. Oh my goodness, like you just, just you unleashing books now. That, that, that's just pouring out. Listen, I that know, bubble I just the, Once you start, it's like Lay's. You can't eat just one. So once you start, you, you keep on going. And we were just um, in a writing group today, and I found out, lo and behold to me, that Toni Morrison didn't start writing her books until in her 40s. So I don't feel behind at all. I'm like, look at what God is doing in my Listen. life. Absolutely. We have a question from at eSolutions, which says, what advice do you have for future authors incubating their first book? Oh, start, start. It's never, you always think there's going to be a better moment to start. 
There's no better moment. There's no, you're not going to just suddenly take a week off and go to a writing retreat. Just start now. Even if you say, I want to write three paragraphs, and it doesn't have to be the beginning. You can start in the middle. You can start at the end. But just write down something because if it's meant to come out, it will pour out. So just, just, you know, prime that pump a little bit and let it go. That's what I would say. I love that. And, and, um, me and, and uh, me and Ngozi are in a writing group. And so I get to get all these lovely gems from her as she speaks on writing and, and these passions. And I remember us talking about writing and you said, if you think that there's a book in you, then it probably is. And, and, I, you know, for me, I, I loved that because it was like about giving yourself permission to just do it. If you think there's something there, go ahead and do it. And if there's nothing there, well, you know, nothing there. That's okay, too. And so um, I, I really loved that, that tidbit of if you think that there's a book there, then, you know, just kind of like allow yourself to write it. Listen, you and I have been on the Kindle app. And we, so we know there's a lot of people writing. The law of averages says you got to be above average. So try. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of books out there. And, the and there's a lot of I bad books that are out there too. And like publish, they sell. Get yourself an editor. I pray to God that you will do this. You cannot edit your own work. I promise you. That's all I will say about that. If you didn't have an editor, how long would this book be? Like how many? <laughs> well, it would be riddled with errors because you absorb your own grammatical and writing errors so that you can't even see them anymore. Um, and it wouldn't be tight. It wouldn't be, it'd just be all over the place. So so it's, it's very useful. Um, <laughs> and, you, and I see a lot of works that I, just can't get through because there's too many mistakes mm. and there 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 could be a brilliant story in there and i just didn't get to it so oh my goodness please drop your questions uh in the the comment box um please go and head out to amazon and grab your copy of awakening book one to wake and sleep no more um, and Gozai, please, any more words of wisdom, anything else you want the listeners to know? Well, I want them to know that if you buy a paper, if you buy the physical version of the book, you can drop me your mailing address uh, to my IG or any of my social media, and I will send you a signed um, book plate that it has an adhesive back that you will be able to, it says, from the author of Awakening and Goes I.T. Robinson, and I'll sign it with your name and say thank you for your support. And you'll be able to put that in your, in your copy of the book. So it'll be like in these COVID times that we met and uh, had a real book signing together. So I would love, I would love to, to sign your copy of my book for you. And love it. I want to say that I hope that the book sort of uh, allows you to go somewhere in your mind and receive some of God's own strength in whatever journey that you have gone through, are going through, or will go through, because that is certainly what it provided for me in writing it. And I'm just ecstatic that it's out there and can't wait to, when you write one thing, you just can't wait, wait, wait to write more. So I'm clearly, because you have like multiple books pouring out of you. Uh, well, that was, that's accidental. But, and I, oh, I got <laughs> another book about an alien world and an intergalactic war, but I don't know if I'll ever finish that. I'm kind of stumped on what happens next. I'm about a quarter of the way into that book. So, so we shall see. But Listen, yeah, writing is, is an addiction. <laughs> Clearly. Um, we have a question here from Reem. She says, and Gozai, how do you pick an editor? Okay. So um, there's two kinds of editors. There's a content editor who will read your uh, work critically and say, these are the disconnects I see, or these are the underdeveloped characters, or these are the moves in your plot that are disjointed and don't make sense. And um, for that, you can often find that kind of editor in a writing group. 
um, which you can find on social media. You should you should be in a writing group, and no matter how introverted you are, because it's going to expose you to so much. And if you are introverted, a writing group will expose it to you in a controlled environment where you don't have to I just all to of a sudden I go like out in the introvert. world. <laughs> all of a sudden you go out in the world and like tens of people are commenting on your work and you're like, ah, overwhelmed. Um, so you can find that in a writing group. Uh, you can do a, a search for them and they'll provide um, uh, uh, copies uh, of their work, you know, references that will give you a little more confidence. So you can have a content editor uh, or you can have just a really good other writer fill that role for you. A, co a, a, a copy editor is someone who will just interrogate that text, make sure all your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted, will say, oh, you have a dangling preposition here. Uh, this sentence needs to be reversed. Your, your, <clears throat> your, the tenses in your verbiage here are wrong and make those kind of corrections for you. So they make sure that your um, reader doesn't find just a riddled grammatical errors that just prevent them from entering into the story. And those you can mm. do um, searches for and they're easier to find. But I think you, you can fudge a content editor. You need a copy editor because I promise you, you're making so many grammatical mistakes you don't even know that you're making. And they, they're just this barrier to the reader getting into the, the story for you. Mm. Words of wisdom. Because like that, listen, I can already see, like, I'm not the best grammatical person. I like but if I can. Mm -mm. No, it's natural to think that because you do so much hard work in getting the book ready that you're like, well, it's done. It's just like, no, you, you got a few more steps to go before before it's it's showtime just to put to put its best face forward. And if you are looking for an editor, I do have, you know, a full service small publishing company, I am Publications, and we like to provide um, services like that for authors who are looking to self-publish or come under the small aegis that I have, just sort of one-stop a la carte, carte shopping for the types of resources that you need. I love that. And we have a question from Yvette Walker of Positively Joy Podcast. And her question is, you should probably have both, right? So should you have both editors? You know, how, how does that work? Um, here's the ideal journey of someone who is looking to come out with a publication-ready work of writing. Write, edit it yourself, rewrite it get it to what you think is ready to go off to the presses. Mm. Have a group of what I call beta readers, anywhere from two to five readers, who they, these might be your friends, these might be colleagues, these might be other writers that you feel can give you an unbiased opinion on your writing. Have them read it and give you their overarching feedback. Maybe there's characters that they hate or that they don't understand or movements in the book where you're like, I, I don't get why you did that. Or, and, so, and, then, and then rewrite it based on that feedback that you want to accept. The, the beta readers usually do it for free. Uh, they're friends or colleagues of yours or for a nominal amount, like 20 or 50 bucks, you know, to read your work. Um, then send it to a content editor. This is someone who's really going to look under the hood and be like, this engine doesn't run. You got the pipes hooked up wrong here or there. Um, that's going to be, depending on the length of your work, uh, anywhere from mm, 800 to 1500 bucks. Uh, and then respond to their writing. Rewrite it again. Then you're ready for a copy editor. That should be when you're, you're done writing. You're not going to make any more changes. And all you're going to do is make the grammatical adjustment that this person makes. That's going to be another, you know, eight to 1500 bucks, depending on the length of your work. So you're looking at, you're looking at, uh, 1500 to, uh, $3,000 
really mm-hmm. to if you if you are not yourself you know your own grammatician and everything like that um and there's some shortcuts around that to make it easier but i would say that's sort of the ideal journey and then you may want to get a layout person um both for the ebook version uh, and and getting that in the format that it needs to be and for the printed version. And that's not too much that then you're looking at maybe a hundred to a few hundred dollars for that. And you want, it's all about the cover. So you want uh, a good front and back cover. That could be a couple hundred dollars. Oh my gosh. Like those are the components you have to think about beyond just writing out your, writing your heart out. Oh, like you just see like this book. And you don't think about all of that. And so it's it's amazing to think about how many people actually touch that project and, and help give that life by the time the, the, the reader is, is reading it. That's so awesome. It takes a and village, so, that's for sure. Absolutely. And so tell us a little bit about, you said that you have a publishing company. So what if there's someone listening? They're like, well, hey, like, I want to get started, but... How, what, what does it look like? How do I get started? Well, uh, I thought when I started this company, people were going to come to me with their finished work and say, okay, I'm all done. I just need a copy editor and a cover artist. But what I found was people came to me more in the middle of their work or at the first draft part. And it was just like, I'm stuck. I can't develop these characters. So I became more of a book coach and mm. a writing coach than I ever intended to be. And sometimes even a ghostwriter for something. Mm-hmm. Like, you just you just need to get it out there. Um, and so incur- and, and, and I didn't know that I would be become as much of a cheerleader and a coach as I have been. So I would say wherever you are in your writing process, if you know you want to publish, um, it's a good idea. Even if you're not thinking of self-publishing or publishing under a small publisher, but you want to see if Random House or Penguin Books will pick up your book, you still want to have it in the best possible format. It's a good idea to go with a small publishing company or go with a small book producer, independent book producer to to put the shine on it, to sort of walk you through all the pieces that that need to be there. Um, or you could just find a really good writing group with others who already publish who can sort of walk you through that process. But no author should have to walk this walk alone because it's a long, <laughs> lonely walk for most of it. But but you should have the help that you need to 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 go on and and carry on. So that's that's it. what my advice would be on that. I love it. We have another question here that says, "Could you talk about the process of designing the book, the book cover jacket?" Uh, so the the good thing about me is that I have a graphic design background, uh, among other things. So I just opened up my Photoshop and my Illustrator. And I had the artist for the for the cover art, so I didn't have to worry about that. Um, I've designed most of the uh, covers for the books that have been published in my company, really? and um, it's uh, it's it's doing your research, and you want to look at a lot of other book covers and see what draws your eyes. There are best practices for it. Um, but it's not as hard as you would think if you do have a visual sense. And um, I would I would say you really need an artist for if you're if you're publishing um, something that's not uh, an industry uh, type of nonfiction book. You need someone to create the art of that of that front cover. But um, getting it into this format where you know, it's the front and the back and, you know, where do you put the barcode and all that is, 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 are the details that if you have an artistic sense and, you know, can follow directions, you can do that yourself. But it's, um, it's, it's, it's not too hard to get someone 
uh, for a reasonable price who can do all of that for you because it's when you see that cover that you're like, oh, wow, this is a real thing. When It's when you stop just opening up a Word document or whatever your writing processor of choice is and looking at words on a page, but you see that cover and you see that back art and you see you've written the about the author section and the blurb for what the book is about that you're 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 looking at it and you're saying wow this is this is a real thing so i am just so excited i'm so excited and you've made the process so easy to follow like i feel so much like okay like i could do that like mm -hmm. I, you, like you, you've made the journey not feel so lonely. As you talked about, you said like writing can be lonely, and so I'm so glad that you're a resource for people. And so, um, for yeah. those that are lis listening, um, the information to access in Gozai's book is in um, the Coffee and Combo link tree, so you can get it there. Please follow um, in Gozai um, on her socials and, and support and promote. Um, because absolutely, um, we don't want this journey to be lonely, just like you're out there helping others. Exactly. It, I mean, there, there is loneliness in the craft of writing. Um, there's, 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 there's midnight oil and there's times where it's just you and the characters, you know, demanding unreasonable, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, demands from you and everything but it doesn't have to be that way all the time and just as we're in a writing group together i serve as a uh, book coach for some artists and we meet every week and we i read what they read so far and i'll do some rewrites and kick it back to them and we get further down the road together and so you can have that sort of companionship at whatever level of writing the book that you're at and i just feel that a lot more people should be writing because there's these stories in us and just let them out let the world let the world hear them because it'll not only make you feel better, but it'll make us more connected and compassionate to each other as a community, I think. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and goes, I have one last question for you. And yes. it is my what's in your cup question. And so this is where I ask my guests and my listeners, what is in your cup? What are three things that you are adding to your day to get you through your day and your week? And it goes out while you think of your answer, I will give you mine. Um, listeners, please drop it in the chat. What's in your cup? What are three things that you need to have a better day? So for me, I need to add writing. I find that when I add writing, I feel so much more free, so much more better. And I really want to add writing to my cup today. Um, a good cup of tea because I feel like writing and tea they balance each other out so I want writing I want tea and what is the last thing you know what? I think I want playtime with Preston I feel like I have not been a good dog mom I've been a little busy so I want some playtime with Preston if he wants to sometimes he doesn't want to hang so uh, I need playtime with Preston writing and tea to make my cup a little bit more full uh, and goes I what about you well, I've been um, having the resurfacing of some low-grade anxiety lately, and um, just for no reason that I can identify, but it's just there, and, and it's causing some disruption to my day. So what I've added, in addition to just kind of taking things a little slower, is a half hour of yoga, and sometimes mm. I'll just pull the ripcord at any moment in my day and say, um, I need to turn this on the TV and go through a half hour of yoga for relaxation. And it's just some gentle stretches. And I find uh, that just focusing on that for a half hour really tamps that down. And I can say like, oh, I feel better. I feel more whole. I feel more complete now. So that's that's been in my cup. Just like recently, this week, I've been doing that. And that's been having a positive effect. Um, I would say that uh, writing is definitely in my cup. Just being able to do a prompt or work on a longer term project that I have. I've been, I've been working on this prayer book for forever, it seems, to the point where I'm like, God, there's nothing left to pray for. But, but that's been so, uh, so awesome. But I would add to that 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 sort of feels like the work of writing so prayer and devotion mm. is, 
is is the other part like separate from writing the prayers is me actually doing the prayer praying and reflecting and having some quiet time with god every day and i can't um sometimes my day tries to get started before i'm able to finish doing those things and i'll tell people people will call me i was like i gotta go i haven't done my devotions and i'm already getting cranky so <laughs> So that is definitely um, a part of my cup. And so, so okay, what have I said? I've said um, yoga. Yoga. I kind of said writing, but I'll say yoga. I'll say um, my prayer and devotional life. And I would say um, my time of social and sort of therapeutic support. So mm. connecting with a friend knowing that I have my regular therapy appointments and I'm meeting with my psychiatrist that I'm staying on top of my meds and you know, that that stuff is just not building up inside of me. Right, um, right. Those are the things that are in my cup and I couldn't live without them. Well, I, I could, love but it. Be a good life. It wouldn't be a life that I liked. I love it. And Gozai, please come back. I can't wait to chat some more about book two and all the many projects that are being birthed out of you. I'm so glad that your uh, kind of like your pregnancy, it sounds like your writer's pregnancy, you have this thing inside of you and the water has just broken. All these things are being birthed out. And so I'm very excited and happy for you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I feel so honored. You've got a following and you're, you're doing it in the, in the social media space and, and providing a platform for people like me. So I appreciate you and this opportunity so very much. Absolutely. For those who might have missed the conversation and are just joining, find it on Instagram and it will also be on the podcast page on the bonus section. So thank you so much and go Zion. Be well. Thank you and be well, be blessed. I love you all, everybody for watching and especially those who get a copy. <laughs>